Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. We are fighting with Rumble right now, who has changed our stream key a few times. Uh, I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm bringing on one of the epic tellers of truth, my friend Mike Benz, also known as uh, at Mike Ben Cyber. So by all means, if you're not following Mike on um, on Twitter or any of the other local platforms, we'll get all of his uh, handles on here. Make sure you do. Uh, folks, this is Thursday, September the 14th. We're going to run right into this live. I'll, I'll read some ads in just a second here, Mike. But let's just say, hey, do you, uh, where are you right now? Where are you in the world? Can you hear me? Sorry, just uh, say I just had a call come through. Sorry, say, say it again. I, I, <laughs> I said, I'm, where in the world? Where in the world are you right now? I'm in my. I'm currently in Miami. Uh, I just finished this cross country road trip, and I think this is probably going to be uh, Fort Florida through 2024. It is. It's a pretty wild year ahead, and you know, seeing how they're rolling up and inviting uh, prominent figures who are conservative uh, for jaywalking in New York. California and Delaware and Michigan, I kind of wanted to be somewhere where I thought I'd have a halfway decent shot if they uh, if they come for me. And, you know, Miami-Dade actually did just threat some, for what it's worth. That is true. Yeah. Historically, very blue, though, I think. Yes, true. So you had a pretty pretty awesome road trip from what I saw. You were posting videos from the road. I really, I actually like your Twitter feed more than almost anybody's. It's got a mixture of uh, of some fun sort of just Mike Mike being Mike uh, hiking, walking, and then like sometimes Mike in nature just ranting about how uh, we're all screwed in the world, which is kind of fun. And some piano playing. I I never I didn't know you played piano the way that you do, but it's pretty fantastic. I'm glad you appreciate the eclectica. You know, I like to think that uh, I come across as most harmless. Um, to the people who would have it out for me because, you know, it's a little weird. Well, I'm going to play a quick clip from there because I went through and scoured your feed for fun things that I liked, and I'm going to show it to my audience because I want them to get a sense of who you are. We'll do a, a like a bullet point bio because you came on my show in person. You sat in my house and gave people a, a really good taste of who, who you are as a human being uh, and drank some of my coffee, which was great. Let's do video number two real quick, Ryan, uh, and then I'll let uh, Mike say what this is. What do you think, Mike? Were you ready for that? Well, you know, it's the Conan Barbarian quote, right? Like you always have to mean the discipline, the steel or whatever. And no, well, yeah, that's uh that that's a deep cut there, Kyle. That's that's how far back does that go? <laughs> that's that's a quite quite some time ago. But um 
yeah uh california is a is a wonderful place uh we will reconquer it one day it's so beautiful and corrupt you know i sort of liken it to you know an ex an ex-girlfriend or like a fickle mistress that uh you had a beautiful time together and you may never fully get over but it was a time in life and you weren't right for each other that that's Um, true and and then uh, and then she became fully crazy and she burned all your things in the front yard and she said if you ever come back that she would kind of cut off your genitals and and burn them and give them to another child or something. Uh, if you guys are watching on the Rumble Channel, you just saw Mike doing a bunch of pull ups in Santa Monica on the uh, on the sort of outdoor fitness equipment. If you were listening, what you missed was Mike Benz doing a two arm climb on uh, two ropes that are parallel to each other and then getting up to the top, which is probably I don't know twenty feet, twenty five feet up in the air. And then knocking out like a pretty long set of pull-ups throughout that that uh, that uh, audio you were hearing. It was mostly Mike doing pull-ups on a bar that is pretty thick, uh, that is holding up those ropes. And then he decides to come down and do an invert and hang upside down and do a, a body flex. And he's basically showing off for other dudes because there's no chicks watching you do that thing. That is a dude-only moment. Guys uh, appreciating guys on the beach, which, you know, there's, there's something very California about that, too. <laughs> Yeah, that's I did it for you, Kyle. I knew this moment would happen. It, it day, actually tickled me I'd in a big way. So. Amazing podcast. <laughs> I, I, I want to know who was filming it. Too, by the way. What's that? Yeah. I, I'd like to see the, uh, the the Kyle decathlon. Actually, I bet I bet there's a there's some special Man, special you, set of skills that you've carved. Well, at some point, that. we'll 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 show uh, the the videos that we have. Some of the there, there's a, a little video of me going through PJ Indoc, um, and. And doing some wild stuff and getting drowned and stuff like that. So maybe we'll play that on the show at some point in time. It's out there. It goes back to to uh, 2011, I want to say. I, I went through PJ uh, in 2011, so I went through the end doc there. All right, um, nice. let's 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 kind of talk about it. I want to play another clip. This is what we really came in to talk about, and this is a, a little chunk of what we're going to get into. But I wanted you you had the best way of describing the CIA's video number six, Ryan, as you get in there. This is what you teased out on your tweet tweet uh, this morning. This is the animal that we're going to be discussing. So people have an understanding. And uh, sometimes when you're in the moment and you're riffing, you just you just have it. And this is one of those moments when you just had it. So we're going to play uh, Mike video number six and then let's talk CIA. And like, OK, the, you can argue there's a place for that because it's a mean old world out there and we need to, you know, a good offense is the best defense. Sure. But that's like having, you know, a rabid pit bull, Rottweiler, orca whale dragon, you know, uh, to defend your house in the, you know, this junkyard dog. It's got to stay outside. Right. That but, thing can't or, come and it in. It can't come and in the backyard with, where we're having a barbecue either. Right, right. But, it, but there's a hole in the fence. But now you've got CIA officers who are the heads of the trust and safety teams at yes. both Google and Facebook. <laughs> Mike, do you know how I know that we're kindred spirits? Yeah, that because you gave that analogy and it didn't even rattle me. I was like, yeah, I'm following you 100. Like, right. I, I, that's how no, I would talk about it. I mean, that is that is like the shape. I don't know what inspired that particular constellation of of terms, but I think the reason that afterwards, when I listened to the audio, I was like, yeah, that that actually is exactly what it is, is because it sort of captures all mediums and modalities of like gargoyle animals who will defend you from land, sea, and air, um, but you never want inside the house. Like there's, the issue right now is 
when we're when we'll talk about it, but you know, the Central Intelligence Agency and our foreign-facing Department of Dirty Tricks organizations are supposed to protect us from the bad out there because one very particular set of skills, which is lying and sabotage, which is especially why you don't want to invite them to your dinner table that they lie and sabotage at your dinner. Yeah, I don't want them at my dinner table, uh, at least not not domestically. If we're overseas, that might be a good person to have watching your back, it turns out. Right. No, it's like the movie MacGruber, you know, where he's, uh, you know, he's got this one move where he just neck twists everyone. <laughs> and, you know, because that's all he knows how to do, he starts neck twisting the good guys. And that's basically what we have. I mean, if I, I understand the compromise position that you scat CIA into a thousand pieces to the winds or whatever the JFK quote is. I understand that they're. There's there's schools of thought, even for people who want accountability for the CIA, um, that you still don't get rid of the thing. Not that that's even politically possible, but that you reform. OK, I can I can sort of compromise with that, but they can't. You got to have some, you know, the NCAA has these rules around not being able to rotate, you know, from jobs you know, into uh, into others. You can't have people whose professional training is psychological operations and government overthrow um, involved in the election, like domestic elections, because they're just going to use that skill set to overthrow governments here, as you can make the argument may or may not have happened quite recently. I think you could make that argument. Okay, so before we get too far in there, because we do get new listeners all the time, you're Mike Benz, you uh, run the Foundation for Freedom Online and tell people maybe like the five bullet points of your background so they can kind of do it. And then I'll refer them to go back and watch our, our previous so they can hear about you being a, a master chess player and a pianist and pull-up artist. Sure. So um, I'm Mike Benz. I'm the executive director of Foundation for Freedom Online. Our goal is to restore the golden age of the internet and take on the censorship industry. Uh, before that, I was the deputy assistant secretary for, uh, for the Economic Bureau at the Department of State. Uh We just get a freeze up. Yes, sir. Should be back in a second here. All right, folks, bear with us. Our connection's on there. Mike's on the road, and I'll take him wherever we can find him. So he's going to have to probably reboot through there. Uh, as he's saying, he was a political appointee in the Trump administration in the State Department. That is a not a low-level position. This is not somebody who was on the GS pay scale. This is a guy who was tapped on the shoulder and asked to come in and do this. Um, I don't think we think that anything nefarious is happening, but Mike is on the road. And as he said, he's flying around and uh, seeing things in Florida and he might be staying in Florida for a little while. So I'm going to ask him to exit our, our stream and come back in. He worked right directly under Mike Pompeo at the state department. Correct. Kyle. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, well, he was at Mike Pompeo state department directly under it uh, as the deputy. I think he said a deputy assistant secretary. That's a little, it's a couple steps below, but he's going to rejoin our thing right now. So, um, and Mike, while he's Mike is, that, is more conspiratorial than I am on this one. He just said he suddenly dropped the connection out of nowhere, which is a little bit strange. In any case, we've seen the live chat saying we vote for nefarious. <laughs> that is correct. Um, I'm going to I'm going to play a quick little clip if we can, because I want to get uh, Mike's take on it in a second here. But uh, let's do let's do video number one. And, and this is essentially stuff that we're talking about. This is the kind of operations that we are concerned about. This is what, what happens when you put people that are cutouts either for the CIA or cutouts for the NSA or people that are working in the intelligence community. And they are doing um, – they're trying to police your thoughts, folks. This is, this is the thing we keep talking about. There's an organization known as CISA, which is the 
Um, it is the infrastructure policing organization created under Trump in 2018. It's the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency. Yes, they did use the word security in it twice, which is a weird thing to do. But you've got a, a, an organization that has literally said, okay, infrastructure is our mandate. This is what we do. And things like the internet are in the infrastructure and things like, um, you know, the electrical power grid and the nuclear uh, systems and things like that. All these little uh, sort of webs of government connectivity are infrastructure and they're interested in cyber security. But the thing that they decided to rope into all of this, and I think Tracy Beans was instrumental in, in sharing this, at least to my knowledge, they said, we want to deal with what's called cognitive infrastructure. Now, the word cognitive, of course, referring to your thoughts and your, your mind. And uh, the cognitive infrastructure is when they say, we want to police how you think. We are going to loop your brain into our mandate. And the only way they can do that is through censorship and through mandate, you know, sort of handling the things that come in through your ears. If they're trying to police what is in your gray matter and secure it, then they are actually worrying about whether or not they can uh, they can get in and decide how you see things and what you see things. Mike, we're going to stabilize this connection. I'm going to play uh, video number one, if you would. This just came off your timeline. You're going to have a great way to talk about this as well. Great. So let's do uh, video number one, Ryan. So our current measures often revolve around debunking and fact-checking. We're trying to undo the damage when it's already done. And we know from lots of research in cognitive science that it's very difficult to correct information once people have already been exposed to a falsehood. And this is what we call the continued influence of misinformation. Once you're exposed to a falsehood, it settles in your memory. It makes friends with other things that you know to be true. And people tend to retrieve false info from their memory even when they acknowledge a correction. And so pre-bunking, trying to preemptively protect people before that damage occurs is much more effective than debunking. So what the media described as a psychological vaccine against fake news is really based on the psychological theory of inoculation. So just as injecting yourself with a weakened dose of a virus triggers the production of antibodies to help protect you from future infection, you can do the same with information by preemptively injecting people with a severely weakened dose of fake news or with an example of the techniques that are used to manipulate people. People can build up cognitive antibodies or intellectual antibodies against misinformation. So that came out of your line. Um, you, you want to talk about who that is and what they're talking about with this idea of pre-bunking? Yeah. So this is a, you know, they call themselves researchers, set government cutouts, and I'll get to how that is, but this is an individual named Sander van der Linden, who is one of the most prolific digital MK ultra mad scientists in the censorship game. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's it's well acknowledged that from the 1950s to the 1970s, up until the church committee basically destroyed it, uh, there was a project in this country called MKUltra, uh, which was a program that was funded and designed by the national security state, by the CIA, by Primarily, it was run by the CIA, uh, but also with a leg up from the Defense Department and the State Department. And the goal was to be able to figure out the psychology of the mind in order to be able to manipulate people into behaviors and political activity that was that was in U.S. in, in U.S. national creating Manchurian candidates, mass persuasion of foreign populations. Of course, like all things national security state, the sort of twisted, dirty tricks department turned inward and they started doing trauma testing and LSD testing on U.S. individuals. Uh, and the whole thing became a sort of crooked cabal of national security state agencies and university centers 
Stanford University, Harvard University, Oklahoma University, and about 60 others who all got money to do the, these attitude and psychological modification uh, experiments for polit purely political purposes. The exact same thing is happening now. It starts right after the 2016 election in the digital sphere, which is why I call it digital MKUltra, because they're, what they're, you have the, the CA, DARPA, Defense Department, State Department, Spook World sponsors, who are all providing tens of millions of dollars funding to approximately 60 universities, the same universities involved in MKUltra, for the purpose of redesigning social media to stop people from supporting populist pop politicians like Donald Trump in the U.S., like Nigel Farage and the Brexit people in the U.K., like Bolsonaro in Brazil, like the Salvini crew in Italy, like Marine Le Pen in France, in, like Orban in Hungary. They're rolling this out in 85 countries. They're, just the State Department has, you know, has desks that an individual will run and sort of manage the, the sort of political affairs uh, with, with the embassy in that region. They're going region by region, tilting every election on the Internet by bur by burying populist candidates and super saturating and using redirect methods and friction methods and intervention methods. They have a whole toolkit, this mad scientist toolkit for rigging the Internet to politically favor the State Department regime establishment candidate. And Sandra is like the perfect example of this because – he is he's basically a, a figure straight out of a, a British intelligence novel, if you will. Uh, first of all, just like Russiagate was laundered through British intelligence, you know, Christopher Steele and Orbis Business Intelligence and the whole MI6 Richard Dearlove cabal there, that's what the CIA picked to launder that intelligence. It was British intelligence. That's that special relationship between the U.S. and the U.K. The State Department does the same thing for the UK Ultra Project. They run this through British, through, through primarily through British labs. University of Cambridge, University of Oxford, the Oxford Internet uh, Institute, University of Sheffield. There's a dozen of these. Now, Sandra van der Linden is, is like one of these highly acclaimed, extremely prolific. You know, he wakes up in the morning and just thinks about, hmm, what's an interesting novel technique I can use to censor the Internet today? He is His lab is partnered. It's called the Social Decision-Making Lab. And it's partnered with the U.S. State Department, with CISA, which is the censorship agency within DHS, with the British government. And with the CIA brand Google called Google Jigsaw, Google Jigsaw was created by Jared Cohen, who was the one of the youngest kids ever on Office of Policy Coordination, which is how the State Department uh, coordinates covert action and government overthrow the Central Intelligence Agency. He specialized in digital counterinsurgency and youth movements. That is uh, rallying uh, youths in the Arab Spring to topple their government. He was actually credited with the doctrine that resulted in the Arab Spring. This is Jared Cohen, the creator of Jigsaw. So, uh, so he goes from this CIA covert action job to creating Google Jigsaw. And Google Jigsaw is now at the forefront of what you just saw there, which is Sander van der Linden's research into cognitive vaccination which is also being rolled out in U.S. schools through what's known as a digital uh, literacy or media literacy program. By that, you think they mean, oh, they're like teaching inner city school kids how to read. What they actually mean is if you read Breitbart or Gateway Pundit, you're media illiterate and need to be reprogrammed and redirected on the Internet to read mainstream slop like the New York Times and the Washington Post. 
Yeah, terrible stuff. And also, um, you know, people were mentioning in the chat, MK Ultra has a pretty dark history going back. People like Ted Kaczynski were involved in it. So you like there's casualties that were along the line. There were plenty of people that were involved in it that were overdosed on LSD. And, uh, you know, there were a couple of them that committed suicide, some of them on very, very nefarious circumstances. Like the history of people going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. The minute Dr. you start, Dolly West killed an elephant with LSD during that project. Right, literally the amount of LSD to kill an elephant was determined. Right, they literally killed an elephant. Yeah, they so literally killed an elephant. We're um, how much we're, LSD we're getting... did he have to take to kill an elephant? That's a great question, but they're killing an elephant right now with what these guys are doing to the Republican Party. Oh, see, this is why Mike is so sharp. Um, he just made that that connection in one in one quick step. Uh, Mike, what we may do is we may have you call in because there's just a little bit of a breakup in the audio. And I think that's the, the okay. message you have to say is so much more important, although I love seeing your smiling face in the morning and I much uh, I enjoy the uh, the reaction to it. Um, we're going to play a, uh, a quick clip, I think, that's going to let people see one of these uh, these NSA type spy ops and uh, or or uh, psyop type things. This is that that gal from you that's doing the Ukraine thing. What's her called? STD or something like that. I don't, I don't know what the STD stands for. You know what I'm talking about? The girl oh, with the bikini? Oh, yeah. Lujan. Yeah. 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 Lujan. Yeah, so we're going to yeah. play her video real quick, and then I'm going to have you call me. I'm going to send you the, the number real quick. Out. Yeah. We'll drop out. We'll call you on that. So go ahead and uh, queue up, if you would, uh, video number four, I believe, Ryan. Let's go play video number four. Let's get a better connection to Mike, and uh, we'll continue, carry on with this. Kyle, you're, you're not you're not just upset that I'm now sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts instead of your home. I hope you are a sponsor. I don't have a I don't have a coffee sponsor. What I have is a mug from my sponsors with Catholic Vote. So we may even read our sponsors while we get you reconnected in here. Let's do this uh, this video number four. We'll drop you out, and we'll give you a quick phone call. My name is Luhan. I'm a 21-year-old female soft operator who's been serving with the Secret Tactical Division for 19 years now. Over the years, I've learned a lot about gear. What works, what doesn't work, and what's gonna straight up get you and your boys killed. Because each mission is different, you need your loadouts to be mission-dependent. Your loadout needs to be constantly evolving and adapting to fit the operation. That being said, today I want to take the knowledge that I've accrued while living with the STD and spread it onto you to keep you and your boys fucking downrange in the most lethal way possible. I'm gonna be running you through some of my various loadouts, showing you why they work, and letting you see the full kit in action so you can really get a good grasp of what you need to be doing differently <laughs> so that's fun i don't know what kind of person is involved in that i don't know uh where that came from but i know that mike has some some sensations about it let's do a quick thanks to our sponsors while we get mike back on the line here and we're going to call him direct folks i hope you bear with us because it is it's way more interesting to hear what he has to say is like i said visual it is what it is uh, people are already calling out this this lovely lady for her uh, physical form. Uh, before we do anything uh, wilder, let's talk about our sponsor over here. There's or people that we sponsor. In fact, this is the dispendables.com. It's our merch store. This uh, directly supports Garrett O'Boyle and his family. This is his operation. So the dispendables.com is going to start shipping soon. We'll say a big thanks to them. Also want to say thanks to my guys over at Patriot Coolers. You guys know and love them. We have Patriot Coolers sitting on my desk, on Ryan's desk. Use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, for 10% off. Uh, K-Y-L-E will give you 10% off, and um, that will uh, support our show. And then you can do uh, 50 bucks. We'll... Uh, 50 bucks or more, we'll get you free shipping. And lastly, big thanks over to my friends at Catholic hey. Vote. Now we got Mike on here. Um, Mike, one sec. I'm going to say thanks to my friends at Catholic Vote. There's the loop. Folks, if you're not getting the loop, you just go to catholicvote.org, type in your email address, you will get the loop. And let me just tell you what's coming on today. Today's loop has a pro-abortion ad showing a Catholic praying, a deeply sacrilegious move from uh, from this morning coming out of Ohio. And then uh, one of those favorite people, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, engaged in uh, being arrested 
for indecent exposure. Shocking enough, uh, someone who is not family friendly was at a family friendly beach in California and decided to get themselves arrested. So check out the loop. There's a whole bunch of other good stories in there. The Justice Department going after Catholics and so on. Um, my favorite people here. All right. Let's see if we can uh, bring up Mike. Can you guys hear Mike? Uh, Ryan, you got him? Hello. Yes, hello. Sir. There he is. Great. Okay, Mike. So we're we were just talking about uh, Lujan. Uh, what is the story with this woman? People just got to see her. She's kind of got this like busty figure. She's out there talking about guns. God knows why. She doesn't. She said she's a soft S-O-F-T operator. What is a soft operator? <laughs> well, look, she's she's very mimetic. I mean, there, there's a lot of theories and she she leans into the mystique quite heavily. You know, this is this is a person who blew up on TikTok. Um, sort of around the time when the military was going through this massive recruiting crisis, which it's still in, yep. and uh, you know, sort of purported to be within the psyops division, would always appear sort of at an army base wearing army gear, you know, full kit headgear, you know, the you know the giant, you know, basically assault rifles and tow is this little you know sort of five foot one, you know, sort of perky young presence on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And so given the sort of constellation of, of sort of psyops and everything else that was sort of part of her content, she sort of got this reputation as, oh, well, this is how, you know, the military is trying to rec trying to recruit, you know, young military age men at a time when they're bruising after, after January 6th. If you remember, there was a giant purge of all sort of red blooded right wing people from military recruitment and, and uh, also within within the ranks, they had all these counter extremism units where, you know, if you had a Gadsden flag or if you supported, you know, any of the, the, the basic centuries old centrist positions of of, of young people in the military, uh, you, you were destroyed basically by either the DEI, the new DEI committees there or the new counter extremism ones. Um, and so, the, you know, there are a lot of theories about this girl, but the thing that, that I find, you know, I don't know which ones are true or not. The thing that I, uh, that I find quite interesting about it is, is this, is this role of the military on the internet and of military personnel in what goes viral. Uh, one of the subjects of fascination that I had for a long time there's an incredible memo put out by the special forces. It was a prospectus that was put out about 18 months ago, um, which talked about the future of psyops uh, and the future of sort of digital warfare. And the, the this is a literal is published by uh, I forget which branch of the special forces. I'll put this at the top of my Twitter timeline when I get a minute. Uh, but they literally proposed uh, a the, the following is a protocol for, for what their operations are going to look like in the future. They There's an Army PSYOPs Corps who's driving in a West African region, and they see a sign on the highway for a new port being built by the Chinese. So what they do is they immediately call the U.S. Embassy in the region, and they coordinate with their DOD PSYOPs forces on the Internet to spark a online campaign covertly to get the people of this West African nation to engage in race riots against the Chinese uh, business owners in the region to and to uh, use that as leverage to convince the Chinese uh, to convince the African political leadership that they need to get rid of the Chinese port deal, because that's the only way to stop 
the destruction of local businesses and all the anger on the internet. So this is literally like the army psyops corps, like in writing, planning to, to organize covertly organize race riots to manipulate the political ecology of a foreign country. Uh, I don't think you need to look into that too deeply uh, to to identify the uh, the ethical quandaries of that and uh, the domestic blowback. This has always been going on, though. So civil affairs is a is a division that that operates either in tandem or underneath uh, Army Special Operations uh, and the and the special forces guys out there. So they are always doing that civil affairs that psyop move. Um, what what is the what is the new danger? Would you say? from what has traditionally existed and then being able to do it with an online core? Scale okay. and social media. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically the same thing. Now, look, this happened in the Arab Spring, what we're coming up on now, 12 years ago. But there is a, there is a capacity and infrastructure in place now that did not exist before when it was in the adolescent phase. We are reaching sort of the we're approaching the mature phase of the military on on the internet and everyday political day-to-day life because it wasn't really until the Trump election that that politics needed so much rigging in the eyes. There's always at least a little bit of rigging, but you know this is what I described recently as you know from throughout the the, the entire 20th century there was something that uh, researcher Peter Dale Scott called the Yankee Cowboy War, which were basically what he posited as sort of two factions within the CIA that sort of rotated, from, you, know, uh, they, you know, sort of handed power back and forth to each other and had a sort of constant struggle. And they, with the, the sort of Yale wing of the CIA representing Northeast business interests, you know, New York City, D.C., City of London, finance, uh, uh, finance capital and, uh, and some chamber of commerce with the sort of cowboy faction, that sort of Texas and formerly California military contractor faction being the sort of, you know, oil and energy, um, and, and a little bit of chamber of commerce there as well. And so it wasn't until Trump came along and, you know, followed immediately by a coterie of populist winning populist candidates around the world that, uh, that domestic politics had to be rigged so hard. I don't think that the CIA necessarily played a dispositive role in the elections of the 1990s and the early 2000s because, you know, you were between George W. Bush, the former CIA director, and Bill Clinton, who basically, you know, ran the Arkansas operations for the CIA's MK, uh, the CIA's uh, Iran-Contra. Uh, these are yeah, this is like there, there was a back and forth. But now with populism as, uh, ascendant without without censorship, uh, there is now a saturation level that did not exist before. People always talk about a uniparty and you're just talking about two guys from two different political parties, but obviously had were favorable candidates to the, you know, sort of administrative state, national security state operations. What um, you think it just got out of hand with them? It got ahead of them when the uh, when people started having access to the Internet and they were able to get candidates in, they being the American people, I guess, that didn't uh, fall in line with the, the expectation expectations that they've they've had for years. Yeah, they never saw someone like Trump coming. 
Uh, I think if Pat, you know, Pat Buchanan, the, the internet, you know, the World Wide Web is rolled out in 1991. Mm-hmm. Pat Buchanan really came on the scene politically in 1992 as a as a populist counterpoint to to you know, to the sort of Texas A and M CIA folks and the Yale CIA folks. That is the George H W Bush and the and the Bill Clinton faction. Bones, think, guys. Yeah, yeah. And if I mean, <laughs> like Bill Clinton was literally Yale Law School, Georgetown undergrad and a Rhodes Scholar, and then goes on to, you know, then, uh, I mean, we won't even retrace all that. But the, the, the point is, is I think if Pat Buchanan had won the presidential election in 1992, we never would have had a free and open Internet. Uh, the, for the first 25 years of the Internet, it was an unalloyed good. It was the Defense Department itself that funded all of the Internet freedom technology that created it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tor. Is a is a DARPA project. Uh, and, and what Tor is? Not, not everybody is, is up on uh, on the Onion routers, so maybe it's explain what web. it is. Yeah, it's a dark web. It's it's a way to hide your IP, your IP address so that you can anonymously access and publish and and sell um, information, products, and services on the internet, which is very which was very 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 helpful to the CIA uh, in uh, in the early days of the internet. Because this is what allowed the scaling up of capacity building for CIA-backed dissident groups who, who we, whose governments, the State Department, wanted to overthrow and install a more pliant US, U.S.-backed dictator. So, you know, when, when we, you know, we did this in, you know, you tried to in Iran, China. That, you, can go, you can go through dozens of countries, but this was... The, the Internet itself was a DARPA project. It was only handed over to the National Science Foundation and then privatized because it was it was sort of considered to be a neo voice of America. So for, for folks who don't know, um, when, when the CIA was created under the national, the 1947 National Security Act, it, one of the first things that was that was created was was what was called Wisner's Wurlitzer. This is named after Frank Wisner, who is sort of one of the godfathers of the CIA, who bragged that he had 800 different media outlets who he could play like a Wurlitzer, like a mighty Wurlitzer uh, to create a international symphony of unified news. And a Wurlitzer so being like, so a, like then, the, the electronic organs, isn't that? That's where my brain goes, Exactly. Right? Okay. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, basically the idea that, that global media could be orchestrated like a piano. Uh, because the CIA had proprietary media assets in basically every country in the world. And this is because this is they, uh, remember they needed this as part of the war effort in World War II. This is what allowed, you know, this is what allowed such uh, such uh, diplomatic uh, alliance cohesion was you you had all of these media and propaganda assets all rolled up in the Office of War Information. And then when the OSS turned into the CIA, they simply kept that to go from fighting fascism to fighting communism. Of course, so now the a, target is 
populism. Yeah, Cold War relic. Uh, people, if you're not familiar with Voice of America, it's run by the Brad Broadcasting Board of Governors, a, a group that I've actually worked with a little bit. It is assumed to be full of spies of U.S. and other origins. There are people that are trying to infiltrate from other countries. Almost all of them are natives of another country. They're naturalized U.S. citizens or otherwise. So they have native level language skills, which is incredibly important if you want to go and move your propaganda, uh, which is U.S.-based propaganda, into other countries. So we have ethnically Chinese people who are born in China that are speaking there, people from Taiwan and so on. Uh, but then you also have people from all the different Cold War era countries, the, the Eastern Bloc. But interestingly, some of them also have family ties and can be leaned on by those countries. So you're playing this like double agent. Uh, you're playing this double agent Russian roulette game to know whether or not these loyalties lay on our side or the others. And if they're going to slant things and if they're going to be giving information, it is a really bizarre entity. And it is sort of a pseudo non-governmental entity, too, because it gets public funding, but it's not specifically underneath a government agency. And it answers to the State Department nominally, I guess. That was the way I understood it. Maybe you could talk about Voice of America, because I think people have no idea what kind yeah. of weird stuff Look, we put our money in. We There is no country on earth that we would you know, so charitably disambiguate from its intelligence services. Uh, I mean, just again, as background, Voice of America, Radio Free Europe, Radio Free Liberty, this whole coterie of CIA proprietary sister companies in media, where they currently are run by you know by USAGM, the U.S. Agency for Global Media, which is formerly the Board of Broadcast uh, uh, Managers. But when did it that was change? Started pretty recently, actually. Okay, because I, I was working I with broadcast a couple years ago. Yeah, Broadcast Board of Governors was people that I listened to, or yeah. I had to go work with in. 2018 something like that i think it'd be yeah no I, I think it was i think it was literally during the trump era okay. when it changed over to so-called usagm somebody got promoted um but well <laughs> nothing changed though. i know but you get you, know, you get just, promoted they, for a they, name change <laughs> right right yes right but these all started even though they nominally are said to be <clears throat> independent uh yes yes government yeah you get your money from the government but you're independent from the government That's yeah right. i love that's uh, yeah, but but that is only because they caught so much flack because they were directly created by the Central Intelligence Agency and lived that way for 40, 50 years. And then anytime there was a news headline or a, you know, an atrocity in a foreign country that was sourced from VOA or Radio Free Liberty, everyone just said, wait a second, you're just the CIA. And so I said, oh, wait, wait OK, OK, we're going to become independent now. But it's like, what, think about what other country on earth we would so charitably extend that, like, oh, okay, well, they say they're independent now. They still get their money from the government. Yeah. They're still basically run out of the State Department, which is the overt side of CIA covert activity. They were they were born, their mother is the Central Intelligence Agency. Oh, but, you know, they've grown up and become so different. Now, I mean, imagine if Russia, you know, had a, a, had a, had a literal, like, KGB-spawned, media outlet mm -hmm. uh who still gets their money from the russian government and and but the, because they call themselves independent now uh because a new entity was set up that's housed within the russian government mm -hmm. uh you know to to do that and, and russia you can't name a country on earth even if british even if the brits did this we'd say it's, it's a british intelligence operation anyway the point is is it was very useful radio free europe and radio free liberty and radio free asia and Voice of America and all these CIA proprietaries were incredibly useful during the Cold War at a time when the rest of the of, of, of the world was not creating its own proprietary media content. 
Remember, a lot of these mediums were, were brand new when these CIA proprietaries were rolled out in the 1950s. Uh, every, you know, radio, Vietnam didn't, you know, didn't have its own, you know, vibrant uh, infrastructure of, of domestic and, you know, indigenous uh, radio frequency channels to listen to the news on. Uh, it was it was the only game in town in uh, from uh, that is the CIA proprietaries were able to get uh, market dominance in a lot of of third world and second world regions because they had a first mover advantage into the soft power projection game there media wise. The same this was the vision of the internet when it was privatized in 1991. The U.S. controlled the internet. The U.S. had the technological, it had the infrastructure advantage. When it was exported around the world, it was basically like a neo-voice of America. And it was used as such. You know, Google came out just four years after the Internet was, was, uh, was, was privatized. In 1995, Google started as a DARPA project, uh, a DARPA grant given to Larry Page and, and Sergey Brin, uh, to uh, as part of the CIA and NSA's massive digital data systems program, whose whose design was to identify political birds of a feather online through through basically the data accumulated from search engines, Google, uh, so that the CIA and NSA could better create a political radar system for insurgency and uh, insurgency movements and counterinsurgency threats abroad. This is this is the this is the use of our big tech companies by the national security state to rig the political ecologies of countries around the world at the very dawn of the internet, and it was used as a means of of basically toppling foreign governments in everywhere from Yugoslavia to Egypt to Tunisia, and it wasn't until 2016 came around. And technically, they say 2014, but 2016, we'll say, when the the maturity of social media and people uh, and people having accounts that had grown over time, and because of their authenticity, had become very popular. That individuals started to be able to overtake institutions in terms of soft power media influence over the populace, and once that happened, the national security state lost control because its institutional assets could not overpower popular individuals with, uh, with, with, large, with, with large presences on social media. So we're literally talking about uh, people's will overcoming the algorithmic sort of uh, lean towards whatever the, the administrative state candidates or the administrative state goals are. Amusingly to me, you know, it's not it, all these things start off as a not bad idea. Uh, just the same reason as your uh, Orca, Rottweiler, you know, Pitbull, Dragon Whale has to be a thing that we have. We have to have a department of dirty tricks. And the problem is, is that eventually it just gets used on your own citizens. We're talking about, you know, uh, organizations that are responsible for westernizing much of the much of the globe. And, and in that way, they've sort of pulled a lot of people out of poverty. And there's been some good things. And then, of course, it's also responsible for massive amounts of civil unrest and genocide and some other stuff that goes on. It's it's the evil that comes along with it. And now it's playing in our backyard is essentially the way that we're looking at it. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's exactly right. You know, and the issue now is they're having to reframe what the conception of democracy altogether is, mm -hmm. because what they're what they're realizing is, is 
there's almost no amount of propping up of these sickly, corrupt, unpopular media stations that can overcome the voice of populist anger against the crookedness of the system. And so they're having to basically go from a, you know, more or less gentle, soft power, uh, psychological manipulation and, uh, and sort of gentle rigging into these much more hard handed authoritarian state type techniques where you literally jail their political opponents. You like in Ukraine, you, you, I mean, first of all, that's happening here. Current president's facing like 750 years in prison. Um, the And they're calling that democracy now. This is something that would violate rule number one of what the State Department's, you know, code book is on what makes a free and fair election. Uh, rule number one, you don't jail the leading political opponent. It turns out, yeah. But, you know, two, you know, uh, independence of, of the media from the government apparatus. The Biden administration literally penned a a memo yesterday to all of the leading mainstream media organs saying, cover me favorably. Don't don't let the opposition paint me as a bad guy. Right. Meanwhile, the administration <laughs> is fucking funding these institutions through the media literacy programs. I mean, there's so much it's it's. But the issue is, like, they're having to define democracy as autocracy it, because just doing it the old way is is losing to authentic one small voice type people who are who are resonating with with much more clarity than than institutions like The New York Times. So funnily enough, my uh, my father wrote a book that's called uh, it's it's a marketing book. It's really an idea. It's called When Did You Stop Being You? And it's uh, in search of your personal brand. And amusingly, I think people like the Biden administration and many of these organizations that are trying to manipulate people online would benefit from reading this very short book. It's got a bunch of little exercises in it in order for people to determine, is the brand that I am projecting in public realistic? And is it something that's perceivable? Is it genuine to the person that I really am? Am I living out my brand? And and what happens is that these people are not living out a legitimate brand. If you're talking about democracy, but your tools are authoritarianism and, and totalitarianism uh, and and you know, you're just not going to sell it to the people because people are more savvy than they've ever been. Uh, they have more and more views and more information. And, and so that's why this girl with the cleavage looks like a psyop to us, because what the hell is she doing? And and that's why all these different people, when they step up and they say, we're really going to just help you learn how to think correctly. We're going to sort out what's going into your brain because you're just kind of a, for, a moron. You can't be doing it. We're showing the video right now of Lujan. Um, when you have this kind of stuff, they don't look authentic. They don't look realistic to us because we know what real is because we deal with it every single day. Those of us who are in the world know what people in the world look like. And then you get online and you're like, this is not what the world looks like. Um, I wanted to, to keep talking about this, but I wanted to go actually back in time a little bit. You look like you had a piece from Mirage Men. Have you seen the, the movie Mirage Men, the documentary? I, you're asking me, I had, I actually did a 40 minute video on, okay, uh, on that's Mirage what I, Man, which I'll put at the top of my time. Yeah. I want to, cause I took little clips of it. Um, I want to show a little piece of it for folks. There's a video number three, Ryan, if you'll clear that up, you'll be able to hear, we're going to start just a little bit of it. And then I want you to talk about what that movie is about. It's an old movie. My buddies who are, um, who are FBI agents love this movie, uh, and they hate air force OSI because of it. And, uh, and, and we'll show you a little bit why. So video number three, let, uh, sorry, is that three? Yeah. Video number three, let's play a little bit of chunk of that. And then Mike's going to tell you about Mirage men, which I will recommend highly. At one point, another agency, uh, 
was conducting an investigation and they set up a surveillance across the street from him. And Paul's son contacted me and said, leave my father alone. You guys are across the street and you're bothering my father. He's getting to the point that he's being paranoid. Well, I knew it wasn't us. He said he saw people. So you're okay, going to so see pa- pause that if you would, Ryan. So that's Mike responding to it. Folks, if you go into his Twitter timeline, you can find all these little pieces. That's just a little taste of what's going on. But essentially, Miraz Men is the story of the Air Force OSI trying to defend not very good technology that was getting picked up by very, very smart people who live in Albuquerque. Um, and this is why one of my loves in New Mexico, we're fighting for gun rights there right now. But a long time ago, there's a lot of weird test projects that come out of Kirtland Air Force Base where I was stationed. They've got hollow mountains, all the things that would, uh, you know, spawn great conspiracy theories. But there's also this sort of like weird alien history there. And Mirage Men kind of touches on that. Mike, you want to kind of give a synopsis of, of some of the operations that were happening there? Yeah. And another thing to keep in mind here is the Air Force is where psychological operations really started. And that's why you see so many CIA people and so many PSYOPs people come out of Air Force intelligence. And, and just so folks understand, the, the reason for this is because PSYOPs actually, you know, before it became this high-tech, military-grade, MKUltra, super-sophisticated, you know, sort of cognitive manipulation, soft-power exercise, it began as a very crude, rudimentary, propaganda leaflet-dropping uh, 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 task by the U.S. Air Force. That is, what we would do is, you know, during, um, during World War II, is we would have these planes that would fly over, and as the PSYOPs Corps would would basically drop pro-U.S. propaganda out of airplanes or be planted by parachuters. And so the, the, the people who, who would literally put boots on the ground or fly over foreign countries because we didn't have a voice of America to penetrate their media would, would literally use the Air Force assets to deploy the PSYOPs. That's why to this day there is so much PSYOPs infrastructure that's based out of the Air Force. Just so folks understand it's not some random coincidence there there is a history but with respect to miragement you have this this situation what i what i think's happening right now is the story of drones so, so you have you have this opsec imperative for classified activity in the national security state Op, opsec means operational security it means protecting what you're doing from being disclosed to the public and there are techniques for opsec that include psychological techniques in order to throw people off the scent and mislead people so that they don't identify what you're actually doing as a classified activity. So one of these things involves uh, new technologies being tested and developed at U.S. Air Force bases. And you know these are huge masses of land where there's a lot of visibility for the, for the neighboring residential folks uh, when there are aerial projects that that the base is carrying out now we are currently living through the drone wars era all of the air force money right now in r&d all the darpa money for for aerial r&d is going into unmanned aerial drone vehicles and making them sleeker making them more maneuverable making them smaller making them stealthier making you know giving them new capacities uh and Every time there's a news story about a new drone from a individual who happens to live near the Air Force base and then tells a local journalist or, or God forbid, I, you know, records it on his iPhone, that's an OPSEC hazard to the base. 
you know, the, from their perspective, well, now the Russians know we have those drones. Now they know we have these capacities. You know, now now it's going to draw all this heat. It's going to blow that as, you know, in the same way that Vault 7 and WikiLeaks blew pocket Putin and all these other NSA hacking uh, techniques. This These sorts of sightings blow novel capacities uh, from the U.S. Air Force. And so what they engage in is a systematic psychological you know, uh, mind war against the individuals who report these sightings. And Mirageman is the story of one such target, this guy, Paul Benowitz, who was a family man and a military contractor who lived right next to Kirtland Air Force Base, who the NSA, they, they, they see the, the Air Force OSI on him. The NSA uh, uh, moves into an apartment next door. They monitor him from across the street. They break into his home while he's out of town and replace his computer with a proprietary NSA computer that automatically decrypts messages from the NSA, that the NSA has programmed to read like an alien language uh, speaking exclusively to this poor Paul Benowitz guy uh, in order to convince Paul that all of the his uh, his military grade monitoring equipment targeted at the base is actually aliens, not drones. Now, given that right now we're living through that drone, uh, that sort of drone development steroid process right now in the U.S. military, I have very little doubt that this new push about aliens is to create the predicate to do this to all the little Paul Benowitzes all over the world who are seeing this deployed in the U.S. It's really important that people understand what a distraction this stuff looks like. It's like, look over here, aliens. There's, the joke is about that online. That's the funny thing. People actually sense this intuitively. They don't really know necessarily. They may not have the historical background of knowing about Paul Benowitz and, and knowing the story of OSI going and do that. But they were a discrediting operation. And what they would do is they would just affirm something that was false. And by doing so, it gave people this bit, you know, this rabbit hole to run down and get into the UFOologist and like every, you know, curious kid. I was fascinated by this kind of stuff. When you start learning that our own government was out there destroying these guys' minds and literally driving them nuts. I think Paul Benowitz, he's dead, I think. Is that right? I think he died penniless. Yeah, he, he committed suicide right. after after being committed to an, to an insane asylum. They so they broke crazy. this. Yeah, they and broke he, this guy's mind. And I, I want to just touch a, a little bit, too, about Kirtland Air Force Base. It's fifty one thousand. Uh, 51,000 acres. It's where I was stationed in Albuquerque. It's on the, the Southeast quadrant of the Albuquerque area. It backs up against the Sandia mountain range. The mountain range actually ends on the base and the last three to four mountains that are there are hollow. That's, that's publicly available information. You can actually go on Google. You can look down on the base and see that some of the mountains don't look like real mountains. They're built up, they're hollow, they're continuity of government facilities where they maintain all kinds of like, uh, stores. I saw trucks driving in and out of huge doors all the time. And then every once in a while, you see one of these alien photos where they're showing like a like a saucer that's trying to get into like one of these doors uh, and they're and they're all photoshopped and stuff like this. But the, the reality is, is there's all kinds of projects that are happening. One of the fun things, Mike, that you'll find a uh, kind of wild. I got a, a notice when I was on Kirtland Air Force Base that the drinking water was no longer safe and that the arsenic levels were incredibly high. And so we were drinking like this, like arsenic laden, you know, uh, rat poison laden water, right? Standard, standard government stuff. And then almost almost simultaneous to that, we found out that something like 500 million barrels of oil were missing from the continuity of government facilities, the uh, the strategic oil reserve type things. And they were like, you know, someone has stolen the biggest theft since, you know, since ever in the United States government. It's been going on since the 1950s, blah, 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 blah. And then they found out that they were just like leaking storage tanks that had been leaching into the groundwater. So all the things that were coming out of the JP-8, the jet fuel that we would use for the Air Force Base were actually just going into the groundwater. So we were just drinking JP-8, you know, mixed in with what 
whatever tap water was coming out because the facility wasn't oh able to filter. God. So this kind of failure, it, it's not only are we dealing with um, sophisticated operations, we're also dealing with morons that just they go towards the dumbest possible solution. And oftentimes it's our own government is our own worth enemy in these things. It doesn't mean that we don't need a government. It just means we've got to be on it, which is I know one of the things that you guys are involved in exposing the, the foolishness. And then the more people are are aware, the less they can be tricked by these types of operations, which I think is a good win. It also makes them work really hard, though. But, well, two things actually to add to what you just said. One is Mirageman actually covers a case where uh, where Kirtland Air Force Base poisoned the groundwater in, I believe, the 1970s when it was conducting all these radiation experiments in the region, mm-hmm. uh, it, which, which, which resulted in the mass death of animals, uh, animals being basically flayed alive by, by bombs and radiation testing. Uh, and then that was turned in by, by Air Force OSI into local rumors that aliens were actually flaying these animals rather than uh, U.S. military uh, bombs being dropped. But one other thing is, I just, and if everyone listening, if you go to the top of my Twitter timeline right now, at Mike Ben Cyber, you will see uh, exactly what Kyle just described about, uh, about UFO stories as a, as a national security state-sanctioned dis- media distraction mechanism. What, what I have at the top of the timeline is a post containing the 1954 CIA cable to the State Department when the, when the CIA was working on a uh, on a uh, to topple the government of Guatemala in in 1954, and the Guatemalan government caught on to the CIA plot to overthrow the government and and, re, and install a U.S. backed dictator there, and so the CIA uh, wrote a wrote penned a cable to the State Department saying. Hey, the government of Guatemala is on to us. We need to activate a news cycle in Guatemala. Uh, here's here's the direct words of the memo. If possible, and this is on state. This is on history.state.gov. Okay, this is a State Department.gov website because this has all been declassified now because it's been seventy years. Where here it is: a telegram from Operation PD Success Headquarters in Florida to the CIA stations in Guatemala. If possible fabricate big human interest story like flying saucers to take play away. <laughs> it's literally a fucking CIA, I'm sorry, a hecking CIA plot to, to distract from a busted government overthrow operation by getting people focused on fake alien stories instead. Yep. It's 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 as old as time getting people to look over here. I always uh, equate this to the laser pointer. Uh, I always tell people if you've ever if you feel like you're chasing ghosts in the media, if you feel like you're chasing stories and you're outraged at this and then that at this and that it's like a cat that's chasing a laser pointer that you're sitting up on the couch trying to keep the cat from scratching your your uh, your furniture. So you shine the laser pointer all over the carpet and the cat attacks the dot, attacks the dot, attacks the dot, and it's throwing its claws into the carpet instead of your uh, your upholstery. End of the day. The, the cat comes back. It has no laser because the laser is being originated somewhere else. And it's all misdirection. And it's all this plot to just keep the cat occupied. And, you know, th- these operations are trying to keep Americans minds occupied. So they're not paying attention to the real problem, which is that there's somebody up there with a laser pointer that's doing some pretty nefarious stuff on the other end. They're just trying to keep these people distracted so they can keep doing business as usual. And, and you know, well, that, and that, that used to work a lot better when there yep. was only one laser pointer. Right. You know, the issue is, is now people, you know, people can tune into the. Kyle Serafin show and just see, you know, a relative straight shooter who they may agree or disagree with 
on an issue by issue basis. But they're like, hey, this is a regular dude. Uh, I don't you know, this feels authentic, whether he's right or wrong. Um, there's something really weird when you tune in. I mean, after having spent so many years now, like listening to news on the Internet from regular everyday people, it's you can feel the inauthenticity of state backed, you know, mockingbird cutouts. Like when you turn on CNN or you turn on Fox News or, or MSNBC or ABC or NBC, you can like feel the talking points crawling through the skin of the anchors. These people, you just you instinctively know that if there was some dark shit in the story that they knew about, they wouldn't tell you even if they knew about it. Because they can't. It's the so when we used to train for human uh, and human is human intelligence. It's the the basics of gathering information from other people, and they can do it. You can do it in a shady spook way, and you could work for an agency, or you could do it in a law enforcement way. And there's a lot of human that's involved in law enforcement, right? And so they would do this human block. And first of all, the people that taught human were the weirdest, like most socially awkward people. When I was at the FBI Academy, it just made me laugh. I'm like, why do we have people who are social retards out there trying to teach how to not be a weirdo? And so you end up with a bunch of these agents and there's actually videos. Um, there's a guy that's called Washington's Ghost and he just put out a, a you know an interaction with the FBI agent and it's actually not an FBI agent. He's actually a treasury agent claiming to be an FBI agent, even weirder, Mike. But he's, uh, he's with a real agent. They're in Atlanta and they're going and they're interviewing a guy and he's like, you ever meet somebody that just makes the hair on your back stand up and you want to just... Let the government know about him. Uh, like, we're here for you. We want to help you. And the guy's like, you're weird. Get off my porch. I don't want to talk to you. Do you have a search warrant? Like, go away. <laughs> There's this whole idea that weirdos will go out and try and engage, and they're going to try to sell it to you. And like you just said, you can feel that operational weirdness coming out because people go, that's not how human beings interact. I would always people, you know, the, the number one rule is don't be weird. But some of these people can't help it because what you're asking them to do is so unnatural. It's lie with a straight face for a reason that you can't right. get behind and believe. And it comes off as inauthentic right. because those people have not sold themselves on it. And then you could see the people who really do believe it and you just go like, okay, you're unhinged. That also is really obvious. And so we're looking for that thing that's somewhere between being a social weirdo who's trying to parrot talking points that don't make any sense to them and being someone who is like a, a zealot. And we can see both of those. And somewhere in between is where guys like you and I land where people go, yeah, they speak really quickly and they're obviously passionate about what they say but I believe them because they believe them <laughs> and they also know what they're talking about most of the time. No, exactly. Exactly. You know, and it, it, but it's one of these things now that has created, it's gone from being a, a nuisance to the national security state to a like high octane top tier geopolitical threat. It's a crisis. Which is to man. say that, that yes, because you know, democracy itself is a product of the news in the region of the people voting in that democracy. Democracy promotion has been the means of soft power. You know, so again, just to back up, you know, for, from, from time immemorial up until 1948, world empire was done by hard power. Now, there's always soft power projection. That is, there's always, you know, a media and economic and diplomatic pressure that was always a part of the, the international diplomacy game you know since the dawn of civilization the empire itself was allowed was it, the, the hard physical military played a much bigger role uh from civilization 
you know, uh, T zero up until 1948. In 1948, when the rules-based international order was being set up, when its architecture was being laid down at the end of World War II, in the Geneva, you know, when the UN uh, Declaration on Human Rights came out, uh, there was a international prohibition on territorial acquisition by military force. This is one of the, uh, the and this is this is still in effect to this day. Say that one and more there's time. There's a lot of people. gamesmanship. Yes, there there is a international law prohibition on the military acquisition of territory by force. Mm -hmm. This is why, for example, with the Crimea referendum in 2014, uh, the for for Russia to be able to have the patina of of international legitimacy, the people of Crimea had to vote to join the Russian Federation. Because, look, Russia is still in the U.N. There's, they still have a spot on the U.N. Uh, Security Council, right? They are right. part of the international community, pariah as they are right now. In order to ha to be compliant with international law, they had to have the people vote on that referendum. What I'm trying to say is, in 1948, the game changed. You could not acquire territory. You could not, uh, by, by military force, you had to have the patina of the support of the people for international recognition, which which is which is the which is sort of the base infrastructure for everything else um, in, in international diplomacy. Let me say it simpler for people just one time, so they so they're tracking because I think a lot of people are probably in the buffering zone as fast as you and I both speak. What we're talking about is that you can't just go in, take your military, um, like risk and conquer a territory and claim this is home. Put your flag exactly. in and say this is now my place. You can't go take Papua New Guinea that way. You got to go to Papua New Guinea and get them to vote to take you on, even if you already invaded there. They still have to nominally say, and we accept you as our new leaders. So there has to be that in order to be able to uh, to faint the legitimacy, as you're saying, which is what was going on in Crimea. And it's why I guess a lot of people are are seeing the problematic nature of the. The Russians just saying, screw it. We're sick of this nonsense. It's already it's it's a veil anyway. Let's drop the veil and just move in with our military and take back what we want. Right. Right. And but but even there, remember, like the the, the people in eastern Ukraine actually you know, voted to join the Russian Federation. Mm -hmm. Like even in, 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 the, in the Donetsk and Luhansk, they they held those referendums the same way they did in Crimea. They still went through the process. Now, the way you so, so what I'm trying to say is the the role of the military changed after 1948 from being a primarily you know sort of kinetic uh, uh, kinetic military hard power territorial acquisition force to being as you identify with the sort of you know civil affairs folks to being a kind of paramilitary support uh, structure for this massive democracy rigging process in every country on earth in order to can in order to control the politics because the politics are are what you can't just have a military occupation anymore you do need to have this patina of of international recognition and so i guess what i'm trying to say here is is that's there's this the, the, the role of the media is very important there. Like we in the Ukraine in the run to 2014, USAID and the State Department and the National Endowment for Democracy, which is a CIA cutout, pumped a combined five billion dollars into Ukrainian civil society to create the infrastructure for the right sector riots that toppled that government. OK, we pumped five billion dollars worth of media assets, union assets paramilitary assets 
education assets into the region to create a U.S. hub within Ukraine from which to effectively January 6th, the democratically elected president of Ukraine, Yanukovych, out of office in February 2014. We, so we saturate the region with our media assets in order to create a critical component of U.S. national security state client population. The issue right now with shit posters on the Internet and, and small, authentic voices who grow to be more influential than broadcast media organizations is that they, dis- they destroy that entire operational planning blueprint that's been around now for over 70 years. Because if, if there's no amount of money that you can pump into a region to uh, to drown out the authenticity of a, of a popular shit poster. And again, this is what happened in the 2016 election. Mm-hmm. Every single broadcast media organization backed Hillary Clinton. There was not a single newspaper endorsement, not a single newspaper endorsement in the entire country, print newspaper, for Donald Trump. And yet he still won because he dominated on social media. And at that point, so- social media accounts were allowed to grow to huge uh, to huge subscriberships without getting chopped down. Alex Jones in 2016 had more hits combined on his YouTube channel than the entire broadcast news station of CNN. <laughs> he had like 2 billion views. He was big. One man was bigger than, you know, basically the CIA and DOD's top uh, uh, broadcast media cutouts since the Iraq war. Yep. And so but this illustrates a problem with the operations of of the U.S. military, which is that if you can't censor these people, then you can't stop these people because there's almost no amount of money on earth that can get you to watch a CNN broadcast and be like, you know what, uh, this guy's making a lot, a lot of sense. I really trust him. <laughs> if there's a Kyle Serafin show, you can tune into instead. <laughs> it's true, and then they try and astroturf the stuff too. So they'll go out there and try to, you know, generate these Lujan types. It's like, yeah, that's that's what I think is real. You look at the production value and what she's doing, and the way that she's, you know, cultivated that. And some of that is is the way that people do it. But the other thing is, is you got to have some backing. Knowing what it takes to be able to put something like together is not is not super easy. Uh, it, it's just so funny that. I was just thinking back to when when I went forward with the uh, the story about the the Catholics. You know, the, the instinct is is that uh, the government is is doing some sort of work against Christians in general in this country. I think Christians have been sensing it, so they're saying like what it is. And of course, the government pushes back and says, "No, of course not. Like we respect freedom of religion. We you know we believe that there is a First Amendment right and so on." And then you go out and you go, "No, but we actually found this document showing that there's like multiple field offices involved in uh, in investigating Catholics because they're trying to pry bar their way into Christians in general." So you do something like that. And then everybody is is compelled to pick it up. We put it out on UncoverDC.com, which is Tracy Beans' outfit, which is influential, but it's very, very small. And it made it to everywhere. You know, everybody had to talk about it because you couldn't get away with it. You can't you can't uh, censor something when it's when it goes viral enough that people are looking around going, oh, my God, everything we knew is true is true. And this is obviously true. And this is coming from people who would know. And, you know, the the big piece for me is you don't post it in an emotional way. You just show it. And then, of course, there's the other version, which is that people just ridicule the shit posters you talk about. They're just ridiculing the mainstream and everybody goes like, yeah, that's how we all feel. It's just it's wild how much they're spending in a fortune. You talked about five billion in Ukraine. They spend a fortune trying to come after, you know, essentially people that are working out of their house on their free time in between their you know, real work. 
It's amazing. Yeah, well, you know, so again, for for your viewers, if you go to my Twitter timeline, at Mike Ben Cyber, what I just put at the top is exactly what you're talking about. So um, uh, there's a, there were documents that were obtained from a DHS plan to produce uh, videos training bystanders to take action political speech by, quote, middle-aged pro-life advocates and old high school friends who are, quote, budding conspiracy theorists. <laughs> and, and I don't, and just going through this to like talk about what, what you're saying about the targeting of Catholics by the FBI, this is the DHS. Now DHS has become, you know, the FBI is as crooked as it is and God, is it crooked? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, there is, there is the faintest little patina of a chain on it, which is that it still is only supposed to be the intelligence arm of the justice department and technically can't sick its twisted little fangs into you until you have committed an act of suspected lawbreaking. That's actually not that even is, true, though, Mike. That's that's actually... No, you're right. You're right. It, Just it, 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 it's yeah, slightly I, worse. Yeah, counterintelligence and counterterrorism, those are ideology-based. So they can right. say if you are uh, potentially being targeted by a threat country, then you have an investigation into you. And if you are espousing right. no, an ideology no. that has a history of something that they claim to be violent, they can also open up cases. Right. Those don't have to allege criminal no, no, activity. No, totally. Yeah. We're going to pull up your timeline totally, here in totally, a second, no. too, so people can see it. Go ahead. Well, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is what DHS has moved into is covering this sort of Perry, uh, the, the, the sort of window around which the FBI has a hard time making a case. This is why DHS, for example, was picked as the censorship center. Mm-hmm. It was because technically the FBI uh, doesn't have, it's not illegal and it's hard to come up with a counterintelligence predicate for, for why uh why the FBI should ban somebody who says, Hey, actually masks don't work. Like you can, you can, you can, you can make arguments about things like, you know, maybe protests and whatnot, but DHS was, was it, particularly the CISA unit was, was set up uh, as a kind of, uh, you don't even, because DHS doesn't, is not even a, an arm of the justice department. It's a standalone agency and it's, it can, it can conduct investigations whether they're suspected law-breaking or not, and they've really moved into this pure sort of political, um, you know, cognitive manipulation field, which is why they're partnered with Sander Vanderlinden, who we talked about earlier, the digital MK Ultra scientist, this internet censorship scientist. But you'll see here in this thread, so, like, if you go to, uh, to, to, to number three, DHS screen wrote a detailed profile for Anne, a middle-aged pro-life advocate. This is the words of the DHS. She is a, quote, suburban mom surrounded by stock footage of laundry in a minivan who has, quote, become increasingly more concerned about the welfare of other children. So <laughs> in one scenario, Anne utters the phrase baby killer at a local bakery event to signal her opposition to abortion. DHS gives you, the bystander, three choices, calling Anne's husband, contacting Anne's preacher, or stopping by Anne's, Anne's house to chat to her. <laughs> and then you, you you role play Anne's hairdresser and what to say when Anne brings up pro-life arguments and begins ranting. And, and as the hairdresser, DHS, this is like a, a choose your own adventure story. Yes. Gives you the, 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 the adventure of calling the sheriff on her at the hairdresser's office when she begins ranting about pro-life arguments. Yeah, God forbid you, you defend babies. Don't do that. Yeah. 
or or uh, talking to her coworkers or sleuthing about what Facebook group she belongs to online. This is the DHS literally creating a fucking Stasi army in their own taxpayer-funded psychological manipulation research groups. You know, and then they go through all these different stock profiles. You know, there's uh, there's Courtney, an old high school friend who's become a budding conspiracy theorist, <laughs> who also is, is a suburban mom with laundry and a minivan. And uh, <laughs> DHS targets her because she believes, quote, conspiracy theories regarding government connections to child abuse and trafficking. I don't know about you, Kyle, but there's nothing that gives me more faith and confidence that the government is not involved in, uh, quote, child abuse and, and trafficking than to have a government unit cr- uh, uh, recruiting citizens to stop investigations into a potential government role there. Look, so we're totally, to the that's, that's, that's that, 100 percent. Trust me, bro. We're not doing this. It's like, go find out your neighbors that think we're doing this and make them stop being those neighbors. Let's get why don't you turn them into us? We'll straighten them out. That is a totally uh, reputable organization doing things like that. I agree with you. Nothing like uh, that's the Streisand effect, though, unfortunately for them. I mean, they. Yeah, well, you know, it, it used to be the case that uh, that you could dismiss a conspiracy theory because, it, you know, if this was really happening, wouldn't the government be like cracking down on you for saying it? Why are you even allowed <laughs> to say this? You know, if uh, you know if the government is really so bad and they were really doing all these nasty things, don't you think they would be exerting their government power to stop it? It's like. <laughs> That used to be the main argument against these things. You just you just now made my eyes now water, buddy. No argument. That's so bad. <laughs> yes, the argument being that uh, if if why would the government let you talk about it if they were really doing it? It's like now the government's trying to stop you from talking about it. Right. Uh, oh, it's so bad, and it's so it's it's such a lack of self awareness. I continually say that about people that are in the federal sphere. There's almost no self-awareness. It's like, uh, you know, there's the, the funny little video, the meme video. It's like, are we the baddies? You know, they, is there oh, ever oh. a moment when these guys look around and go like, look in the mirror and they go like, I think we're the evil people in this story. We might be the bad guys. I've never seen it. I ran into this at the State Department. You know, I was I was at I was I was at the cyber desk. I was running the cyber desk on the day that Donald Trump was taken off the Internet and deplatformed from everything, everything. I mean, this dude was kicked from the information age back to the stone age. Okay, they they didn't just kill his Twitter. They killed his YouTube, his Facebook. They killed his MailChimp. They killed his merch store. The guy couldn't even sell a fucking Trump mug. And he was the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry for my language. but but And meanwhile, everybody else in the State Department is doing, you know, jumping jack high fives. And I'm like, like, staring out into the office like you morons you effing morons have you any idea what you've done to this country's diplomatic posture this every argument we have made for two and a half centuries about media freedom and about the and the importance of a free and open media environment is going to be you know it takes two and a half centuries to build that that reputation it takes two and a half minutes to destroy it and lo, and lo and behold, that friggin' day, that friggin' day, I get inbound from from e, from EU counterparts about how they're terrified that the U.S. These are people who hated Trump, by the way. Okay, these are people adjacent to the EU high commissioners and Angela Merkel in Germany. These are folks who are not friends of Donald Trump, but they all saw that and said, "Whoa, that's terrifying." 
And that's one more reason we need to engage in what was in what was called digital strategic autonomy, so that Europe is no longer uh, as as dependent on U.S. internet architecture and U.S. internet giants. Because if they can do that to their own president, they they can do it to us even more easily. So and true. and the and my lieutenants were like, it was it was so crazy because like they were shocked when Angela Merkel came out and made that statement. And when the EU High Commissioner folks came out and made that made that statement, they they were shocked. They were like, "Wait, but I thought they would be supportive." They're like, it. "How they dare like they? We just nailed it. We're right. high, we're high fiving." Like, yeah, you can't like unscrew that Pandora's box. Like now, for time immemorial, China gets to put in its democracy summit white papers, which it literally did the year after this happened, that China is actually more of a true democracy than the United States because the Chinese government has never banned its own president from being able to speak. I mean, they, they literally referenced the deplatforming of the president. China was no friend of Trump, okay? But this is something that is totally devastating to our diplomatic posture. And and look, uh, there's like, there's no illusions about this, right? I mean, diplomacy is about is about carrots and sticks more than it is about principles. Mm -hmm. But these things do matter. You know, it was, I mean, we ran into this all the time where, where you know, when we were trying to pry uh, uh, I, you know, uh, IT infrastructure off of, off of China's Huawei and trying to make arguments around how the, you know, the Chinese national security state has a backdoor through, through Huawei uh, if, you, if you adopt Chinese infrastructure, well, the argument we would constantly get back in our face from counterparts was Snowden. You do it too. <laughs> Snowden. Right. Yeah, you're doing the same thing. I'm going to read you something that uh, that I, this is from August 4th. Uh, Secretary Anthony Blinken wrote the following, quote, the United States strongly condemns Russia's conviction of opposition leader Aleski, how do you say his last name? Navalny? Navalny. Okay, on politically motivated charges, the Kremlin cannot silence the truth. Navalny should be released. My response to this, quote, tweet, quote, the Russian Federation strongly condemns the United States indictment of opposition, opposition leader Donald Trump on politically motivated charges. The Justice Department cannot silence the truth. Trump's indictment should, should be dismissed. And then I followed up with the United States I grew up in would invade the United States I live in. Um, at least then we had the principles when I was a kid in the 80s. They they would have invaded us. Operation Urgent Fury, uh, Operation Just Cause were all examples of we we're like, ah, you're a banana republic and we may be corporately motivated, but uh, you don't even have the patina of legitimacy. We're coming in and we would do stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, we people can argue that we were doing influence. We were doing the empire building in our in our um, hemisphere. And I'm sure that's correct. But at least we thought we were the good guys. And at least the American people bought that. We're not even selling that we're the good guys at this point. And we're just blatantly doing this stuff. And I think you just nailed it on the, on the head. It's like they were high-fiving the censorship of our sitting president in the in an agency ostensibly that reports to the president. What, what, yeah. what, what's no, less I legitimate mean, than that? You nailed it. And the, you, you nailed it. I mean, not only would they, in, you know, would, would the United States we used to live in invade the current United States we live in. That's an amazing line, by the way. Thank you. you can but, take yeah, it. You can take it. Just credit the, me. <laughs> before they did the land invasion, they would sanction us into bankruptcy. That's right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. We, first, we would be starving and we would be reading uh, old USA pamphlets as they got bombed over here by B-2 or B-52s that would fly over and, and drop leaflet pallets. We'd all be reading about how the old USA was better and then it would invade us for sure. 
and we would have no yeah. money and our so, gas so, stations would be empty. Uh, they would cut us off. We'd be driving like cars from 13 years ago because we wouldn't have cars for a few years. Then they would invade us for sure. Right, right. And, and again, there's like sort of two things I sort of want to build on what you just said. Sure. Which is one, for folks who don't know, you know, Navalny is a CIA-backed uh, uh, Russian politician uh, who the U.S. State Department I think has declared like the, the the true and rightful president of the country, Might as well. despite the fact that he got less less than two percent of the vote. Um, uh, He's basically the Stacey Abrams and, of, of of Russia. No, he was literally groomed in the Yale University Jackson School, which was which is a CIA asset uh, emerging leaders program, and so he was incubated. This is a Russian politician uh, who uh, who is who they tried to get to orchestrate a uh, a youth a nationalist a right wing nationalist youth revolution movement uh, to because all their liberal reforms in uh, uh, all their color revolution left wing attempts in Russia failed miserably. If you remember back in 2011 2012, the U.S. State Department tried to uh, tried to basically uh, uh, you know, interfere in the 2011, 2012 Russian election, mm-hmm. um, by, uh, by shipping in all of these, you know, sort of pussy riot. If you remember pussy riot, this was this right. national endowment for democracy yeah, funded. Punk, it was a punk uh, rock femi- move. Feminist rock band. Yeah. Feminist, <laughs> you know, gross deviant sexual, uh, like rock band who's, who was deployed by the U S embassy there in order to create this, like, you know, like transgender, like sexually deviant, um, you know, uh, uh, youth movement uh, to rise up against Vladimir Putin on the basis of his racist, sexist, patriarchal right wing viewpoint. Right. That failed miserably. And so they it drove Russians to, right into well, the arms you know, of a Putin, by the way. It's like it did the exact opposite for a failure to read the, the tea leaves of what Russians are about. But that's OK. Right. So they switch tack just like they always do. It's the same way that, you know, we support the Azov battalion, you know, Nazis in Ukraine, just as even though we even though right next door in in Turkey, you know, we we, we support the, the, you know, the Kurdish Antifa units. Uh, it, all that matters is, is this asset effective at toppling a government and putting a U.S. backed dictator in place? And so Navalny was groomed as a, as a sort of right wing, you know, two, like 2.0 attempt. And the, the ops that they've done on Navalny are the most hilarious things. First of all, the the the, the U.S. government-backed documentary on called Navalny just won Best Documentary at the Oscars this year. It was objectively I mean, the best documentary Hollywood, ever. Hollywood oh, yeah. Dude, the thing is the sludge fest. It's, it's, someone should do like a, you know, like an honest trailers about it. But, but they, you know, they ran this up, by the way, to sanction Russia a couple of years ago. Using Bellingcat, a national endowment for democracy, CIA cutout. I like funding, it when people uh, uh, quote Bellingcat stuff. They're like, yeah, Bellingcat said this. It's like, really? You you always take your uh, yeah, force feeding from the from the CIA? Is that what you do? Yeah, its top funder is the CIA. Okay, that's its top funder is the National Endowment for Democracy, which was literally created in 1983 uh, as a pri- as a as a non CIA CIA cutout because at the time coming out of the Church Committee hearings, there wasn't the political capital. To, to do CIA dirty work directly, and so Reagan created it as this, as this, uh, as this civil society based 
uh, conduit. Uh, in fact, to the founders, I have a whole thread. If you look at my Twitter for just, just the phrase National Down for Democracy, you'll see all this. But Navalny did this op with Navalny that's really funny. That's, that's just great because it really gets to this whole psyops and geopolitics uh, fusion. So uh, there, one of the ways that they were trying to kill the Nord Stream pipeline before they just blew it up was through, was through crippling sanctions. And they needed predicates to do so that accused the Russians of you know, basically atrocities and human rights violations. So one of the ways they did this is they accused the Russians of poisoning uh, Navalny on a on a flight that he was on uh, several years ago. And this was and the glove hand said, poison transmission, wasn't it? It was like a gloved hand that supposedly oh, it's, it's touched him in the it's face. Worse. Okay, it's go. worse. <laughs> it's worse. I call it. The, so so Novichok is said to be the most deadly Russian nerve agent, you know, ever created. It mm-hmm. kills you instantly. So the, so the official story, I shit you not, the official story is that Russian KGB agents broke into Alexander Navalny's hotel room the night before his flight. They picked out the pair of underwear that he was going to that he was going to wear on the flight. They smeared Novichuk on the underwear. Mm. And then when Novichuk put the underwear, when, when Navalny put the Novichuk on as underwear for the flight, he then fell terribly ill and was flown to basically a CIA hospital in in uh, in East Germany conveniently um, uh, as, as the plane was rerouted. Of course, that was the head of CIA operations in Europe for the Cold War. Uh, but but so the official story is Navalny's Novichok nutsack is the reason that that Russia ended up getting getting sanctioned, they, that they that they literally put Russian nerd. Now, of course, it didn't kill him. Just like it didn't kill the skirt. Well, this is it's is the, the deadliest. It's the deadliest nerve agent possible, unless you get a transdermal scrotal uh, exposure. And if you get <laughs> if you get the transdermal taint and scrotum exposure, you actually can survive it. It's a little known fact that uh, they actually pick. Hey, if they had just done it with his T-shirt, he'd be done. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, but you can't you can't die from you can't die from from the transdermal exposure to your ball sack. That's just the key. Right, even though you're you're baking in it in hours. Uh, Right, just marinating. You're just your grundle marination there is is extreme. (laughs) Right, so so get this: we we only know the official story because Bellingcat, again, whose top funder is the CIA, right? The CIA's most notorious cutout did a prank call. To a Russian KGB agent, there's a you can literally look this up on YouTube. The Bellingcat uh, prank call where they pretended to be another KGB agent, and they get this KGB agent on the phone call to admit to this Novichok Nutsack uh, uh, plan <laughs> on the phone with Navalny, with Navalny speaking in a in a like you know in a fake KGB accent. To, to tease this information out of him. Oh, this is the this is the best false flag that's ever been done. They were able to get him on record. <laughs> right. And you know, it's like everybody falls for the false flag. So oh, you're a KGB officer too? Let me tell you stories about things that I did with the KGB. I've never met you. I'm not gonna validate anything. <laughs> it's so right. bad. Like, Think how cagey you and I are on Twitter. Think about how cagey you and I are on Twitter. If someone reached out and sends us a message like, hey, I work for the government. I got this thing to tell you. Uh, Hard pass, bro. You think that the KGB guy was just like, oh, yeah, for sure. Like uh, you're in the KGB. Well, we're all bros then. Let's just let's just talk shop. Let's talk about the the nutshell, the nutsack poisoning. (laughs) Dude, and it's so scripted. It's hilarious. Like even at the start of the dialogue, 
the guy's like, well, you know, this is a little strange. You're not calling me on a secured line. And Volney's like, no, no, it's cool. It's cool. Let's just talk. Okay, no problem. <laughs> yeah, okay, Let's continue that's... on with this. <laughs> yeah, let me let me confess the sanctions predicate uh, for, for this. And so, so you know, and of course that that's like it goes. It's it's reported completely uncritically. Right. Every single like Mockingbird Media asset amplifies it. And it wins best best documentary of the year uh, at the Oscars. Which I'm gonna let's let's just use that to talk to about Rob Reiner, which I thought was a really fun a fun thing. You were talking about being able to sense it coming out of these guys' skin. Uh, talk Rob Reiner. Talk about the Meathead uh, connection. Yeah. So you know, I mean, first on the side, so Rob Reiner is this you know sort of big Hollywood producer, literally and, big. You know, you see, yes, literally, literally big. But you know, so I first, I never really paid much attention to it. Um, but you know, he was sort of trending because he made this you know, this outrageous statement on Twitter that in order to, you know, the only way to defend democracy is, you know, if Trump like dies in prison and there's no like third party candidates. I mean, it's, it's basically like what, when the CIA goes and like rigs an election in say like Ukraine, it, this is like this is the blueprint. You lock up the opposition political candidates and you ban opposition political parties. I mean, Rob Ryder was just calling for exactly what, We've now done in like a dozen countries through the State Department and CIA over the past several years. Right. And, you know, I, I was looking at this tweet and everyone's talking about it, you know, from sort of the angle of, oh, you know, these Hollywood liberals, they're so out of touch. They're so tone deaf. They're so hyperbolic. There's such silly gooses. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, ah, oh, this doesn't look right. There's a there's a speak. There's a CIA speak that, you know, it, when you sort of are in this long enough, you, you identify, which is, I think if you just give me some space to explain this, do it. There, there's such a thing as mania, you know, like the bipolar personality, the, you know, they, they have their highs and their lows. They have their sort of delusions of grandeur and they have their moments of sort of, you know, laconic, low energy, you know, sort of depression. Uh, when people are in a mania, they tend to focus for the most part, on things with high primal proximity, money, sex, squad goals, you know, what the crew is doing, um, uh, you know, things that have high dopaminergic rewards. That's what, pe that's what normal people who are on drugs or normal people who are bipolar, um, normal people who I have what I call the, the cocaine energy display. There is a there is a, a sort of a lex addiction, a kind of lexicon for a State Department pablum. You know, there's a there's a there's a State Department speak which involves all these sort of highfalutin jargon terms around democracy and its substructures. When people are on cocaine, or when people are having a manic <laughs> Hold on, bipolar I just episode, take a breath. we gotta take a breath. There's a, there's a specific language that people use when they are uh, in government and they are pushing a government agenda about it. And then you also pivoted directly to to cocaine. <laughs> just keep going. I just when wanted to people, pause, let people digest look, that. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, when people are in the throes of a manic episode or are on a hard stimulant drug like that, it is extremely unnatural to spend that high reciting basic eso democracy esoterica with with the with the downer pablum of a state department press release that's so like i can't begin to describe 
how unnatural <laughs> like that 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 is like imagine Jimi hendrix all like you know at the, at the peak of a sort of heroin induced flow state as he's riffing on right. guitar and he's full euphoria you know, so sort of coming up and and like but his 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 lyrics like but and then he just he stops the solo and just does this like he starts telling you about uh, life insurance and about how you really need to sick. you need to hedge you need to hedge some of the dangers in the world with a little bit of money invested in a possible you know a possible right. uh, insurance policy That's, normal people don't do that right normal that people don't pivot from people they don't they don't mix fun and whatever horrible crap the the the, the government wants you to mouth yeah I agree I'm with you I'm tracking mm-hmm. I just think the way people are spitting mm-hmm. out their coffee watching the uh, live chat here listening going like this is so it's I mean this is the analytics that you have to do when you look at this stuff it's like what the hell's happening here manic energy Even, plus government talking yeah. points equals meathead CIA cutout well it's the thing is like is is even normal like hardcore left wing progressive zealots don't do that mm-hmm. like they have like they will sometimes talk those talking points but usually not quite so concisely and they won't do like it's it's it reads different you know th- so again this is not even a right-wing left-wing thing this is just a cia thing or it's or a state department attache thing and so i looked at this and i was like hmm, that don't, that don't look right and so it, it was like within three seconds I, uh, you know, I started looking into Rob Reiner's background. So first of all, I just told him a little bit. I just put in his reply without knowing anything in advance other than that he was a Hollywood producer. I just put, what is your relationship with the Central Intelligence Agency? Right. And then, and then to, to you know, because I was like looking for a receipt at that point to like reply to myself in the comments. I was like, well, what is this relationship? And like within three seconds, I find that this dude literally headed up a CIA all-star squad. Uh, it's it, now technically it's called committee to investigate Russia, but mm. in the center of the infographic is Donald Trump and Paul Manafort. Putin's like way out to the side. Now in this committee, he, so he is the found, founder director and organizer of this committee who and on his board of advisors is made up of there's 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 eight board of eight people on the board of advisors eight to ten four of them four of them are number one heads chiefs of the central intelligence agency <laughs> who are his personal advisors inside of the organization john brennan michael morell leon panetta and i forget who the fourth is i'll i'll, I'll pull i'll pull it up yeah no sweat um, but what we can but, say is that is totally organic Everybody probably has a couple of CIA, you know, directors whispering in their ear if they have a certain profile, right? Oh, I mean, Michael B. Hayden. There it yeah, is. Michael B. Hayden. Yeah, General yeah, so, Hayden. So, yeah, Mike, Mike, yeah, and Michael B. Hayden, again, was not just the head of the CIA. He was also the head of the NSA and a former and a four-star general. And before that, he was in the U.S. Air Force Intelligence Corps, the exact thing that we just talked about as the lead-in to this, this segment. So that's, This is when the audience and shrugs and goes, yeah, no big deal. That's fine. That's all fine here. Yeah, and Leon Panetta was the head. Yeah, Leon Panetta was the number one head of the CIA, the number one head of the Defense Department, and he was the White House Chief of Staff for Obama. The Chief of Staff, by the way, is the gatekeeper, who uh, is you know is often more powerful than the president himself. So you know, and then the other people on this board are uh, Jed Johnson, the DH Obama's DHS secretary, who basically created the CIA's censorship architecture uh, with the predicate to CISA. 
Clint Watts, the uh, the former uh, U.S. Army counterinsurgency and FBI special agent, basically everybody on his advisory board, everybody in his ear, has a high level above top secret national security clearance uh, with literally four number one CIA directors. So I made the joke that, you know, imagine that, you know, you get invited to Rob Reiner's Malibu pool party thinking that you made it in Hollywood and you find yourself the only dude in the hot tub without a top secret national security clearance. Mm-hmm. That's it. What is a little, what is, what is Rob Reiner, a, 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 a little old Hollywood producer doing with four CIA directors as his personal advisors? What skill set does Rob Reiner bring to the investigation that four CIA directors are taking times out their day well, to you help need, Rob Reiner, the Hollywood producer, accomplish. Everybody needs a mental midget, and preferably overweight, that can uh, be an empty vessel. He's a big empty vessel. He's got lots of room to fill things up, and they fill him up, and then they just squeeze him, and he spits out, you know, manic CIA talking points. It's fantastic. What's more fun than having, like, a vacuous uh, former actor and a producer and someone that doesn't, that basically just reads lines that somebody else writes for a living uh, with, with legitimately bizarre passion. Uh, it, it's so good. It's so good. You couldn't script this, it turns out, but it's also really funny and sad to watch. Well, cause they're Rob trying to pull over. Is the, is the, is the script, the script of his own movie. And what it is, is every intelligence service needs, needs a media conduit. Yes, that's it. They all need somebody to get it out there. They need to launder the information somehow. Mike, uh, before we make everybody go and uh, either start uh, packing food up in their cave and uh, stacking ammunition and magazines, you got any? Uh, you got any hope for anybody here? From what you're seeing here, you got any course of actions that people can engage in? <laughs> I'm okay with the answer is no, but if there is any, let's let's share it. Well, the number one thing you can do is talk about this stuff. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Um, tell people you know who you can who you can trust and nudge, if you will. Uh, because, you know, it's it's hard to overstate the power of simply talking about things. Sometimes talking, sometimes there's no clear set of actions that even sort of op- present themselves as opportunities um, that you can really predict in advance until it's on the tip of everyone's tongue because everyone's talking about it. Mm. And then suddenly a million different things break open. Now, you know, w- what I will say is that Trump is doing far better in the polls right now than he was doing in 2020. At the same time, the regime has ramped up tactics like, you know, it may be the prosecutors who determine this this election rather than the polls. And if that's the case, you know, this this country, you know, all, everything we've ever known about this country is going to fly out the window. I mean, it's not even clear that there's going to be an election uh, at this point. I think the trial date is trying to be set for the, this Fannie Willis thing for October 23rd is like what, like 10 days before the 2024 election. They're going to have a, a trial where he's facing a thousand years, but the issue, but you know, look, this is not the first time that somebody has gone to prison and then rose back to power. I mean, we literally just saw this in Israel with, with Netanyahu having, uh, being indicted on, on criminal corruption charges. And then a year and a half later, he's president again. Uh, this is, you, you can make the argument that, you know, without getting into specifics or weighing into it too deeply, but you can make the argument that this happened to Gandhi and to Mandela. There's a, there's a lot of uh, of of highly persecuted martyr movements that just need to keep the faith or, and stand the test of time because it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But the more it's on the tip of everyone's tongues, 
the, the better positioned you are for, for a lucky break. And basically that's what we need now. I'll tell you something that's kind of interesting to me. <clears throat> I haven't heard anybody float this out, but you mentioned the chief of staff being somebody that's almost the chief of staff tends to be like kind of a policy nerd, like a wonk that really knows like nuts and bolts guy gets things done guy or girl, I guess could be, doesn't make a difference, but, uh, but not somebody that needs to be the public face of the franchise. And then you've got the, you know, you've got the, the chief executive is the person that everybody has to love and, and get behind. But a lot of the great ideas come from, from behind. It'd be really interesting because I feel like Ron DeSantis, and I know he's, he's much maligned for running for president. I think he's kind of out of his depth in a lot of it for personality-wise. But when it comes to policy stuff, he seems pretty good. It'd be interesting to see an alignment there, bringing him on as a potential chief of staff type guy that keeps the uh, keeps the guardrails up. And then you let uh, just the wild bull that is Trump just upset people. I, I, I kind of don't care either way uh, on any of this stuff. It just like, it doesn't get me emotionally. I just want to see an election <laughs> like any election would be good. That's not uh, heavily weighed in on it. It seems like you have the same instincts. I do that. It's not even guaranteed at this point. We're literally walking down the playbook of places where they lock up the opposition. They, they outlaw the, uh, the other parties. And then, then they just say, this is your choice. Vote for the one guy that we say you can vote for. And man, scary to hear other people that you and I haven't uh, compared notes on that, but we're all hearing the same thing and feeling the same thing. I think. Well, we gave over $100 billion to Ukraine this year because they're, quote, model democracy and, and Ukraine banned elections. If, if, if we're sort of, you know, following the blueprint, I mean, literally Ukraine has banned not just opposition political parties, not just opposition media, not just opposition religions. They've now banned the entire election process itself. And this is what we are being clockworked orange as the, like, model state of democracy for the u.s to follow in fact the U samantha power the u.s aid had recently complained that ukrainians are much more avant-garde about uh, about uh, digital surveillance state technologies like something called their dia app and uh, that u.s citizens are not yet ready for but should be uh so look i mean everything's on the table mm -hmm. uh we're in for a wild ride what i would say is like you know keep keep your chin up put your family first but always hold this in your heart and where you can, you know, try, try to maintain a little bit of a sense of humor about these things because you know, we're witnessing, we're witnessing history. And if we live to tell the tale, it's going to be a hell of a fucking story. Oh, so true. I was just thinking about how we were giving money to Ukraine to do what they're doing so they could give it back to Sam Bankman Freed. And if he hadn't gotten caught, they would have been able to keep laundering our money back into the Democrat political process. Uh, amazing stuff. What a, what a great time to be alive. Interesting times for sure. Mike, I, I told somebody in the chat, and I think it's true, uh, if I could just get you and me in a bunker somewhere and we could just do guerrilla broadcasts, one, we would have a ton of fun doing it because you're one of my favorite guys to talk to. You're you're so sharp and uh, and quick-witted. And like you said, even though we are looking at some of the darkest topics, you have the same sense of humor that I, that I kind of enjoy. So thanks for being with me this morning. Thanks for uh, dialing in. I'm glad we were able to fix our tech stuff. Thanks for hanging out. And I know you're going to be on Larry O'Connor. What time are you on Larry's show? 1210. 1210. All so, right. uh, and a little less than an hour, but yeah, no, thanks. Thanks a lot, man. Let's run it back soon. Yeah. I look forward to it. We'll do it again. Uh, folks, you can follow Mike at the foundation for freedom online.com. That's spelled out all the way foundation for freedom online.com. All those words in one place, or you could just follow him on Twitter and you can link through all of his stuff. His Twitter account is Mike M I K E Benz like Mercedes Benz B E N Z cyber, the word cyber. 
Mike Ben's Cyber, at Mike Ben Cyber. Mike, you are the man. I will talk to you very soon. And I want to say thanks to all our guests who stuck around with us. We are streaming here live from Liberty Hill, Texas. Sometimes a little challenge on the live show starts at 9.30 Eastern time, 8.30 here in Texas, America. And you guys are the best. You really are. You've been uh, a great chat group. I've been able to kind of follow along as you receive some of the stuff that we're talking about. We topped a bunch of topics today. I think they're all going to be useful. Share that information with your friends and family in ways they can digest. Show them the movie Mirage Men. It's on, uh, I think it's on Netflix. It's it's uh, generally free. It'll show you that government sort of psyops, the, uh, the information war has been going on a long time in various different ways and your distrust of the government should be high. I talked about it yesterday in a, a Twitter space. When you have people who work for the government that distrust the government, those are the right people. When you've got people that are working for uh, people like Mike Benz and they are high-fiving for deplatforming the sitting president, we have a serious problem. And ladies and gentlemen, we have that serious problem. It is legit and it is real. It is out there. Uh, thanks to all of you for watching. Thanks to those who have been leaving our five-star review. Let's go ahead and read one today from Old Goat Woman. What a great title that is. Old Goat Woman, entitled one of Kyle's best episodes, or best interviews, rather, episode 129, Inside the Gulag. Five stars. Difficult to hear, but everyone should listen. How low our justice, uh, how low our justice has become so biased. There it is. These are good men that the DOJ has chosen to make criminals. Your sense of humor that appears at times crack me up. The time you zoned out with Tracy Beans was hilarious. That's true. I did talk to Tracy and I was doing something else. Uh, sometimes when women talk to me and, and I'm just hearing the same thing, I just tune out. That's that's a major character flaw for me. Uh, last bit, little bit, she ends with, thank you for providing a podcast they never miss. Old Goat Woman, you're the best. Thanks for sharing all that stuff. Thanks for calling me out. I actually just subscribed to Tracy Beans on Twitter. So I'm following her there and I'm also paying her a subscription to be part of her spaces. Tracy has been a a 100% backer of the suspendables. We are really grateful to her and, and one of the places we've been able to send information to you all. So by all means, we love Tracy and we love all of you. We love that you are listening to us. If you're listening to this on Apple, on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, please share it to your friends. We do stream this thing even on other platforms that we are not big on because we want to be able to reach the audience where they are, not where we want them. But if you can, come to rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. If you add a slash live in front of it, you'll get the newest episode or whatever we're doing live. So come join us on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. We look forward to seeing you there. Thanks to Ryan Matta. Last one, Ryan Matta Media, M-A-T-T-A, -T -T -A, Ryan Matta Media, producing our stream on these uh, weekday mornings and follow him on Twitter right there. Ladies and gentlemen, we will see you again tomorrow for a friendly Friday. And I think it'll be a uh, an outstanding week. We've had a, a bunch of interviews. Thanks so much for being with us. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show streamed live weekdays on rubble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin. Good show.